Amen. Mark chapter 5, I'm going to hurry through this. Um, Before we we pick up on this, I just want to set the stage. We find Jesus and his um, disciples coming off of the boat. They had just come through a storm. And here, here we find them coming to the to the shore and they and then uh, mark chapter 5 verse 1 and then they which is jesus and his disciples came to the other side of the sea to the country of the gadarenes and when he had come out of the boat immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit catch that with me jesus and his disciples go from an unruly storm to an unclean spirit they step out of a physical storm and they step into a spiritual storm Has anybody ever felt like it's just one thing after another? The hits just keep on coming. You're in good company because this happened to Jesus. So uh, verse 3, and uh, who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Verse 4 and 5, I'm going to summarize, talk about how they could not keep this man chained, this, this possessed man with uh, a chain. Uh, he could be heard day and night in the mountains. He had opened sores and wounds from cutting himself. Verse 6, and he saw Jesus from afar. He ran and worshipped him. It's interesting to me that the first thing that the devil does when he encounters Jesus is run and worship Jesus. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. I love that what it says. At once Jesus gave them permission, because all you need is one touch from Jesus. All you need is one word from Jesus. And what you've been dealing with for years and years can leave. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. 2,000 demons left this man, my God. And the herd ran violently down, or ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned, uh, and drowned into the sea. And so we see verse 14 through 17 talk about those that were tending these pigs because this was what they were doing for their, their livelihood. This was their livelihood that went running off, and, and they lost their income. And so they went back and they, 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 they see this man clothed and in his right mind. And they heard the story, what happened. And instead of asking Jesus to stay and do some more works for them and to help with some other areas and to heal some things, they asked Jesus to leave. They, they pleaded with Jesus to leave. Verse 18, and when he, got into the boat, uh, when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. This man said, Jesus, I want to go with you. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in, De- in Decapolis with all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Somebody say, all marveled. We see Jesus save this man and heal this man and deliver this man. And all the man wants to do is just get in the boat and go with Jesus and follow Jesus with everything that he has. But Jesus stops him and says, no, sir, what I need you to do is I need you to go home to your friends. I need you to go to your schools. I need you to go to your community and tell them about the great things that I have done for you and how you felt my love like you've never felt it before. 
Go back and tell your friends and your family how you used to be lost, but now you're found. How you used to be blind, but now you see. How your sin, you, your sin was heavy. How you were bound, but now you're set free. When you met me, everything changed. Go back and tell those closest to you how you used to be a mess, but now you are on a mission. And so for a few minutes tonight, I want to preach on this thought. When your mess becomes a mission. Turn to your neighbor and say, point him, in, point him, big old finger, and point him in the face and say, when your mess becomes a mission. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the moving of your spirit tonight. God, I'm asking that you would give me the words to say. God, that you would help me communicate this, this word that's on my heart. That's in my spirit, Lord. Let us leave this place changed, Lord. Let us leave this place with some fresh perspective. Let us leave this place with some fresh understanding tonight. In the name of Jesus, come on. If you believe that, clap your hands unto the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated tonight, and I will remain standing if that's fine by you. The Navy SEALs. I'm sure if I said the Navy SEALs, everybody knows exactly. Does anybody not know what the Navy SEALs are? Most people in here, if not all, know what the Navy SEALs, what I did not realize, does anybody know what, they, what the Navy SEALs stand for? It's what SEAL stands for? I learned this. It's okay, I'm 36, still learning stuff. SEALs stand for sea, air, and land. Mind blown. These, this group is a special uh, force operation that's trained to engage in direct uh, uh, raids or assaults on enemy targets. Uh, they're trained to conduct renaissance missions to report on enemy activity and to take part in action against terrorist groups. Back in 1961, I was not near about alive in 1961, but at the time, President John F. Kennedy called for an increase in special forces of all kinds to be specifically trained for the conduct of unconventional warfare. And when I read that, my mind went to where we are today in the spiritual. Second Corinthians tells us that we are fighting an unconventional war today. We are indeed living in a day and an age where we as the people of God need to understand that the warfare that we fight is unconventional. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, for, we, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. You might be facing a lot in your life tonight. You might be facing some bad spiritual warfare. You might be facing an unconventional war tonight in the supernatural. But I've come to remind you what he also wrote in Romans chapter 8. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's one thing to be a conqueror, but it's another thing to be more than a conqueror. And I've come to remind somebody in this place tonight that Jesus did not did not let what's happening in your life happen. He did not go to Calvary just to let you be comfortable. He went to Calvary so that you could be a conqueror. 
And I just feel this in the Holy Ghost that somebody walked in here in a mess. Somebody walked in here and facing an impossible situation. You're in the middle of a trial. You're in the middle of a storm. You're not sure how God's going to work it out. But I want to tell you that he will work it out. I may not know how he's going to work it out, but I promise you uh, he is going to work it out. Because my Bible tells me not to fear because those that are with us are more than are with them. We heard it tonight. We sang it tonight. You are the head and not the tail. You are blessed when you come in and you're blessed when you go out. So Navy SEAL training, if, you've ever, if you know anything about Navy SEALs, you understand it's one of the most uh, gruesome training that any of the armed forces has to go through. It's said to be the toughest in the U.S. military. And it's in this training that candidates undergo constant physical and mental conditioning and are trained in a myriad of skills including basic water competency and swimming, underwater combat, weapons and demolitions and navigating on dry land and at the, near the end of their training they, under, they, they, they conclude this training with a week long intensive physical and mental series of exercises for more than five days a SEALs team candidate is put through intense physical exertion almost entirely around the clock being only allowed to sleep about four hours the entire week kind of like living with a toddler and an infant normally only about one quarter of candidates complete the SEAL training and it's from this type of training that we get phrases like pain is weakness leaving the body the only easy day was yesterday the more you sweat in training, the less you will bleed in combat. And it is the SEALs who are called into the most dire and challenging and complicated situations that American military and civilians will face. It is the SEALs who are tasked to handle the most complicated situations. It is the SEALs who are trained to not see the situation, but to see the mission. They are faced with what seems like a nearly impossible task and are trained to turn the mess into a mission. And they head into the fray, understanding that failure is not an option. They might look at, they might be able to look at the mess, but they see a mission. And every day when I look in the mirror, and get this ugly face ready to go out the door to work. I see a mess. I'm looking at a room tonight full of messes. But I know a God who sees the mess. And the mess became his mission. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that God demonstrated his love toward us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One translation reads like this. While we were still sinning, Christ gave everything he had for us. And in the middle of our mess, 
and in the middle of our situation and in the middle of our pride and in the middle of our lust and in the middle of our addictions and in the middle of our mess, Jesus looked at us and says, I have come that you might have life and you might have life more abundantly. He came looking for a soul who was lost and dying, trying to find their way through the darkness of sin. And I've come to remind you that it does not matter if that soul is black or white or Asian or Hispanic or Indian. It doesn't matter to God if that soul is rich or poor. It doesn't matter if that soul is a somebody or a nobody. That soul matters more to God than all of the world. He looked at people in in his day and said, I've come to seek and to save everybody who had it all together. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I came to seek and to save the messes. This house, the church, the church should be a hospital for people with messes to come to because our mission is Jesus's mission and we don't see a mess but we see a mission when they walk in our doors and they are all kinds and they smell all kinds of different ways and they look all kinds of different ways and they're dressed all different kinds of ways we don't look at messes but we look at the mission and the mission is we're going to do everything we can to see their souls saved Come on, this is a place where people can come in broke, busted, and disgusted. Amen. They come in here, tore up from the floor, like I heard it once said, messed up from the chest up. Right? Right? This, this is not a place where, it, it, this isn't just like, this isn't a, 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 a mausoleum. This isn't just something where we can just come around and just look, oh, look at what God did for us all back in the day. This is a battleship, ladies and gentlemen. This isn't a cruise ship. This is a battleship. So, I am so thankful that Jesus did not let me stay in my mess. Can somebody agree with that tonight? I'm so thankful Jesus did not let me stay in my mess. Henry, I love having kids because they're the easiest thing to preach about. I don't know if you've experienced that. And and one day, they're going to be, I'm going to get to embarrass them in front of everybody. Because I was embarrassed as a kid growing up by my dad, who was a pastor. And so Henry, Henry, being 11 months old, is not potty trained. And so he makes messes. Right? I don't go into any further detail. Y'all know what I'm talking about. But we don't let Henry just waddle and just wallow and waddle around in his mess all day. He lets us know. Trust, trust me. He lets us know when he's ready to have some things cleaned up. But if we were to let Henry, and I even hate to think about this like this, but if we were to let Henry just go all day and not be concerned about changing him out of his mess, he would develop infections, he would develop sores, he would develop open wounds. That stuff would get infected. I don't want to be gross here tonight, but, but I'm, trying to, I'm trying to make sense to us tonight where, where Jesus came from and, and, and what he did for us. 
And, and if, we were let, if we were to let Henry just, just run around in waddle, and just wallow in his mess, there could be infection that gets in his blood. And we'd have to take him then to, to the hospital and have tests done and blood transfusions to clean the blood. But I am so thankful that 2,000 years ago there was a blood transfusion that took place. Come on, when, when I was lost and dying and I had no hope, Jesus stepped in and stretched his arm wide and his other arm wide and shed his blood so that he could save us from our mess. When we go down in the watery grave in baptism in Jesus' name, we come up a new creature in Christ. And our blood is covered by the blood of Jesus. When we were lost and dying and our spirit was toxic, the blood transfusion, and I've just come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, the blood still works. Come on, we used to sing it back in the day that the blood still works. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. What can clean my mess up? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, when you were in your mess, Jesus saw you as a mission, and he shed his blood for your salvation. Some of y'all should be dead tonight, but the blood. Some of y'all should still be hooked on all kinds of stuff tonight, but the blood. Some of y'all should be hung, strung out in the crack house tonight, but the blood. Family history says you should be on your third and your fourth marriage tonight, but it was the blood. Genetics say you should be an alcoholic, but it was the blood. You should be lost in your mess tonight, but now you're living on mission because the blood has the final say. If you're looking for me, I'm under the blood. Jesus wants to turn your mess into a mission in this house tonight. We find in our text, we don't sing those blood songs like we used to. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. We find our text tonight an example of Jesus seeing a mess, Pastor, and realizing at the end of the day, at the end of the story, there's a mission waiting to happen. So Jesus lands on the shore of Gathering. They step out of the boat onto the shore. They're still wringing out their robes from the storm. Their, their hair is all disheveled. Their Jordan sands are just ruined. I know, even oh, my kids, my kids at youth group do that all the time. I'm the I'm the most cringiest, cheesiest youth pastor in the world, but they love me. Anybody like wet shoes? Speaking of wet shoes, you know. <laughs> That's, that's, going to be a, that's going to be an element of hell, in my opinion, is walking around in wet socks and shoes. Jesus, don't let me, don't let me, don't let me miss heaven. And so here, here, Jesus finds himself navigating through all of that to meet one person. 
Think about that for a minute. Jesus puts you in your school, young person, for one person. Adults, parents, Jesus gave you that job for one person. I pray to God that you're able to reach more. But Jesus steps on the scene in this mess and says, I've come. I went through all that. I went through that storm. I went through that trial. My disciples, those that are closest to me, had to go through some things. But they realized I did all this for one person. Jesus went through the storm for you. Jesus went through the storm for you. Jesus went to Calvary for you. He saw your mess, and your mess became his mission. Everybody had written this man off. Everybody had said all hope is lost. He smelled. He was crazy. He was uneducated. He was insane. Everybody had said this guy has no hope. And they were right because he had no hope until Jesus stepped on the scene. We had no hope until Jesus stepped on the scene. His teacher said he was a lost cause. His youth pastor said he had no hope. His parents had given up on him. The rest of his youth group had written him off. And I wonder if there's anybody that has ever felt like this man to where you're just, you're isolated, you're alone. Everybody has given up on you. And your life looked like it was beyond hope. But I've come to tell you in the Holy Ghost that there is no devil in hell that could stop a moving of the Holy Ghost in someone's life. There is no mess that can't be turned into a miracle you may be seated so they find themselves here the land of gathering other other historical documents say it was all could have been also in garrison not, not kerosene, for those that weren't in kerosene. It's some of the, how the translators worked back in the day. But this was, it was, it's interesting to me, if you really study this out, and this is why the word of God is, is, ever, is, ever, is ever powerful, because you, always, you always can learn something new from it. And so if you study out this, this land where they, where they, they uh, stopped after the storm, it is an area at the time was inhabited by Hellenistic Jews. Now, that's a big word, and let me help you explain. I, had, I saw like four people like, I can't even spell Hellenistic. I had to look it up how to spell it, so it's okay. We're all learning together. But these Hellenistic Jews were once full-blown Jews, but they had let the influence of outside forces and outside religion and outside ideologies, mainly Greek, they had let Greek practices into their life and into their culture. And history tells us that in this area there was idols and there was temples set up for Zeus and for for Aphrodite and, and Greek gods. And so is it any wonder then why in area of Jewish land there was a bunch of pigs? Because they had gotten so far away from the who they know God had called them, they were willing to live with the pigs. And I could preach right there. Even, even the prodigal son had more sense than that. But the people of God had, had let the enemy, the enemy's lies into their life and into their families and into their homes and into their culture that here they are surrounded by this Greek ideology and this Greek methodology. 
And so here Jesus steps on the scene. Uh, one, his, one, one theologian said that they may as well just been Galilean. But yet here Jesus steps into the land of the Galileans. And we see one more time that Jesus has said, I've come to seek and to save. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your culture says. It doesn't matter if, you, if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing or if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. I have come. To, I have, I'm stepping into territory that I don't belong, but here I am. That's why he said, I must needs go to Samaria. Why? Because there was one person. One person at that well that day. And if you understand that story, you understand that this woman at the well was a mess. The Bible says that she was, Jesus had called out that she's on multiple marriages. But in those days, in those days, listen to me, in those days, the women did not have control over who divorced. It was the man. It was the men who, who were able to, to start divorces. And so this woman had been rejected multiple times. She was rejected by those that she thought loved her. Those that, that she thought cared about her turned their back on her. In fact, she was so rejected, she couldn't even go to the town watering hole. She had to go out to the country where the well contained a bunch of rain, uh, rainwater and run off. This is where the animals came to drink. In fact, it was so bad that she had to go to this well and bring her water pots with her and go back home and boil the water so we could get all the contamination out of the water instead of going to the middle of the town and get the fresh water because she was so ashamed of who she had become. But guess who stepped on? Here she was. Here she was. Jesus didn't even belong in there because the Jews and the Samaritans were arch enemies. They did not want to do, and they want to have anything to do with each other. But here Jesus steps on the scene for not only a Samaritan but for a woman. And that culture, that was saying something. That was saying something. If Jesus was going to come and do all this, aren't you thankful, women, that we're living in a day and age right now? <laughs> There's more women power. But Jesus steps on the scene and encounters this mess and says, you know what? I know there's a, there's a mess there, but I'm on a mission. And the Bible says, what does this woman do when, when, when they have this encounter? And she realizes who Jesus is and has this revelation of who he is. She goes back to the town. And her mess whew, becomes a mission. Because she goes back into the town. And then we see later that she brings the whole town back to Jesus. The woman who nobody wanted anything to do with, now everybody wants to be around because of an encounter she had with Jesus. The mess became a mission. Your mess in this house tonight can become a mission. If you just look at it from the perspective of Jesus, he wants to take your mess and turn it into your mission. Be seated, I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying, I'm hurrying. And so, the devils bring this man to Jesus. 
to the area of Gadarene. One translation of that, of that area means, this is going to help somebody tonight. Have, one translation means, having come through a fight. <laughs> Here Jesus is encountering somebody who's been through something. Jesus lands on the shores of the gather, of gathering, gathering to touch somebody who is currently going through something. And the devils bring this man to Jesus. And in Matthew 8, in that, in, that, in that reading, we can read the devils asking Jesus to send them into the pigs. And Jesus said one word. He said, go. And they went. I said it before, ladies and gentlemen, one word from Jesus will take care of a lifetime of pain and hurt and torment. One word. One word. One word from Jesus will completely change your life. I find it so interesting that Jesus came out of the storm into another situation. I felt like the, the Holy Ghost checked my spirit and remind me when I was studying, praying early this morning, late last night. The Holy Ghost checked me and reminded me to never write off the storm. Never, never write off the storm. Never just forget about the storm. Never, never get to a place where you realize or you think that the storm wasn't worth anything to you. The mission is greater than the resistance. Listen to me tonight. The mission is greater than the resistance. I've come to encourage somebody who's on the fence about starting a P7 club. I promise you this. When you start stepping out in faith, you're going to meet resistance. But I promise you that the mission is greater than the resistance. You might be thinking about starting that CMI campus ministry. I've come to tell you, go ahead and start. You're going to experience resistance because you're stepping on somebody else's territory. You're stepping into the enemy's territory. But I promise you this, that the mission is greater than the resistance. I'm reminded, I'm, I'm, I'm hurrying, I'm reminded in Acts. I was told we had until 11 o'clock tonight. He's like, I, I got a head nod over there. All right, I'm hurrying. We're, we're, we're going to go somewhere here. And Paul encountered a mess toward the end of his life. He encountered a lot of messes, shipwrecked, beaten, starved, kicked out of cities, my dad always said wherever Paul went, he started either a revival or a riot. And it's true. He studied the life of Paul. But I, I, I'm, I'm drawn to the, toward the end of Paul's life in Acts chapter 27 and, and, and Acts chapter 28. Uh, I, I don't have verses, but I'm just going to kind of lead you through what had happened here. They, they, had, they experienced a storm. Sound familiar? Except this storm, this is, this is a horse of a different color kind of a storm. This storm, the Bible describes it as a Eurachlodon. That sounds scary, doesn't it? It means an, a violent agitation. Anybody ever had to go through some violent agitations in your life and in your ministry and in your family? 
And the Bible tells us that when it was all said and done, they were throwing stuff overboard. They were getting rid of their cargo. They were throwing money out to sea because they got paid based on what they delivered to their final destination. They were throwing money, but they said, I don't care if we're losing money. We, I don't want to lose our life. And right in the middle of the storm, an angel showed up, showed up to Paul and, and reminded Paul, hey, everything's going to be all right tonight. And so we see that finally... They, 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 they run this, I mean, it was, it was days and weeks and weeks, and they were in the middle of this storm. Anybody ever been on a cruise ship and you've hit bad turbulence out on the boat? I've been on a couple cruises, and you're walking down, you're seeing, literally, you're seeing chairs do this and the pool do this and glasses sliding back. I mean, and it's, it's nauseating. But they didn't, they, that, that was, that's modern technology. Imagine what it was like back then. And so they finally run the ship aground. And the Bible says that at the end, toward the end of Acts chapter 27, that there was, there was broken pieces of the boat that some of, these, some of the sailors and some of the prisoners grabbed onto. And it was these broken pieces that they used to get to shore. It was the brokenness that got them to safety. It was the brokenness that they had experienced that saved their life. It was the brokenness that gave them a fresh mission. And that mission was just to get to shore. Because God knew that there was a people waiting in the shoreline. Some pagan people that needed to hear about Jesus and it was Paul and the prisoners that used the brokenness and they got in Acts chapter 28 they they met the family of the leader and the father and the leader's father was sick and 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 Paul prayed and and Jesus healed the man and the Bible says that this pagan people started bringing people to Paul and God did wonderful things and miraculous things and they saw miracle signs and wonders in a pagan land sounding familiar listen If we want to have an Acts 28 kind of revival, we need to be ready to deal with the Acts 27 kind of a mess. Could it be that that brokenness you experienced was just God saying, I'm giving you a way out. I'm giving you a way to shore. I'm giving you a way to see me differently. I'm giving you a second chance at life. This brokenness is not going to take you out. Listen, if the devil wanted to take you out, he should have killed you while he had the chance. But here you are. You're standing. You. He looks at Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Jesus looks at Zacchaeus, who was a hated man by his people because he was a tax collector and he cheated people and he stole money from his his brethren. But it's this man, it's this mess up in that tree that Jesus points to and says, hey, guess what? You're a mess right now, but my mission, guess what? I'm going to you. I'm going to your house. And that encounter with Jesus, the Bible tells us Zacchaeus turned around and, 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 and resupplied and, and restored four times what he had, what, what he had stolen, what he had stolen. And Zacchaeus, after experiencing Jesus, after this one encounter with Jesus, he, his life was changed. His life went from being a life of accumulation to a life of restoration.
Jesus delivered messes. And I, I could spend another hour talking about all the messes that Jesus, that Jesus helped through and, and, and delivered. And what the mess, that people saw a mess, but he turned into a mission. And we could spend all night talking about that. But I want to just remind you that there are messes in your schools, young person. There are messes in your schools. Maybe it's that cheerleader who's, who's so deep in depression and anxiety that uh, she's, she's not a mess. She is a mission. Remember, there are messes, but we've got to look at them in a different lens tonight. Uh, that quarterback who's hooked on those pills, uh, he is not a mess. Uh, he is a mission. Uh, that teacher who proclaims that there is no God, uh, they are not a mess. Uh, they are a mission to you tonight. Uh, that schoolmate uh, who preaches gender fluidity and struggles with identity, they are not a mess. Uh, they are a mission. God wants to take your eyes and your perspective and your vision and transform it into not seeing a mess, but seeing a mission. Somebody say, move the mission. Stand with me all over this place. Music, you can come. I'm reminded of a song. I have a couple, sto I have a couple stories I'm going to say, but I'm reminded of a song. I thought about singing it, but y'all... Y'all don't pay enough, near about enough to hear me do that because it's, I mean, maybe you should pay. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you should because it's, it's not worth being paid for. But there's this old song. I guess while we're, in, I don't know, I'm in, the, I'm in the vein of old, of oldies, moldy oldies as they used to say. But there's some powerful, Pastor, there's some powerful messages in these old songs. My, my pastor, Pastor Dillingham, he can get started about these old songs. But there's something powerful when we learn how to blend these things because there's some word, there's some word messages in these songs. You guys remember this song? Amazing grace shall always be my song of praise. For it was grace that brought me liberty. I'll never know just why Christ came to love me. So he looked beyond my fault. And he saw my need. I shall forever lift mine eyes to Calvary to view the cross where Jesus died for me. How marvelous his grace that caught my falling soul. He looked beyond my fault and he saw my need. He looked beyond my mess. And he saw his mission. We need to have eyes like Jesus has. We need to look beyond the faults of those that are in our lives and in our circles of influence. And we need to see them as missions. I want to tell you a couple stories. Music, you can, you can begin to play. I'm going to show you that, that, the first, first slide up there. All right, keep going. Keep going. Pictures of some students. Right there. Thank you. Right there. I'm privileged to be able to serve on the National P7 Committee and we get messages almost weekly of miracles that God's doing around the, wor around the world in, in, in our high schools and our middle schools. And so this is, this young girl right here, his name is Ines. She is a foreign exchange student from Spain. And through no fault of her own, 
She found herself in, in a little bit of a mess. I'm not going to go in, into, into detail. She got, she, she got involved with some things, ended up getting a broken arm, and, and, and she was having struggles. She was, she was struggling going through, through school. And one of our apostolic young people by the name of Maya, Maya made friends with Ines. And so Ines and Maya were in the same French class together, and Maya is a P7 leader, and she invited Ines to P7 club one day. And so she began, Ines began to come regularly, and then one day, Ines came to church with Maya. And Maya, and Ines made up in her mind, this was, this was toward the beginning uh, of the school year, and then uh, she came to church about, about uh, November, December, and, and Ines made up in her mind at the first of the year, my, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to come with you to church every Wednesday. I'm going to come to your church every Wednesday. And so God began to do something in her life. After a couple weeks, one night during a youth class, this, this what the world would see as a mess, lifted up her hands and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. She was baptized in Jesus' name by Maya herself. Uh, what, what was a mess was turned into a mission, and it happened through a young person just like you. Don't you tell me you can't do it because I, you've shown up too late. I know you have it within you. Next picture. This is, this is my buddy Dylan. Dylan. Dylan goes to our church. Dylan's, Dylan's a mess. Struggled with identity. He struggled with, with uh, starting fires. Spent time in jail as a teenager because of starting fires. I, I've, I've, visited him, I've visited him more in psych units and hospitals than I have in his own home. Dylan's a mess. But God saw this young man as a, as a mission. We had a, we had a young, we had a young person in our youth group that started to be, to befriend Dylan. And Dylan, he loves to be involved. He's not a sports guy. He, he, he's not, he, but he's the mascot. Like if, if that says anything about Dylan, like he's a great mascot. He's got all the energy in the world, an absolute ball of energy. He calls me sometimes four or five, six times a day. Sends me messages on, 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 on Facebook. Sends me YouTube links. But here, Dylan began to make friends with somebody in the church. And that, and that person did not look at Dylan as a mess, but they looked at him as a mission. And, just, and, and, and about three months after connecting with somebody in our church, next picture, Dylan, Dylan was baptized in Jesus' name. He was filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's Dylan at one of our youth events. Come on, I've come to tell you tonight that if he can do it for Dylan, he can do it for you. Young person, if God can use that young person to reach Dylan and to reach Inus, they, God can use you to reach your school. You have to remember tonight that the mission always trumps the mess. Here's how I know that. The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say, good day. I, I would listen to him growing up. The rest of the story is, going back to the Inus story, Inus is now back home in Spain, full of the Holy Ghost, 
baptized in Jesus' name, connecting with students in her school, telling them what, had ha- what has happened in her life. Just like this young, just like this man that Jesus got a hold of and said, look, I, I appreciate you want to come with me. I understand you want to come with me. But you're going to be more effective if you go back to where you came from and talk about what had happened and tell them how you felt my love like you've never felt it before. Study this out. History tells us that just a short time later, Jesus and his disciples were back in that area. Remember, an area that was mainly pagan, Hellenistic Jews. Nobody really wanted anything to do with Jesus. But just a a short time later, there was a feeding of the 4,000 where 4,000 people showed up in that same area that wanted something to do with Jesus. Could it be that it was that one man that went back to where he was from and started talking about how Jesus turned his mess into a mission? And now that, that, that man no longer was dealing with a mess, but he had a mission. Is there anybody that wants to go back into your schools? And it's, and, it's your, and it's your desire. And it's your prayer that says, God, I want to be sent on mission. Is there anybody that can say, I want to go back to my school on mission? Come on, there's at least one person who says, I want to go back to my school on mission. Does nobody want to go reach their, kid, their, 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 their fellow classmates for Jesus? Come on, let me see a show of hands. How many want to live on mission? How many want to live on mission? If that's you, these altars are open. Come on, let's fill this place right now. Let's begin to ask God to deal with us. Begin to open our eyes and our understanding that the people that we're around, we're not dealing with messes. They are a mess. But through the lens of the Holy Ghost, we can see them as not a mess, but as a mission. And now for those, for those that feel like you are living on mission, and you are doing what God has called you to do. I want the rest of us to join these brave people around the front here, these brave students. And I want us to begin to pray and begin to encourage and begin to ask God to, to do a work in their lives right now. Come on, parents. Come on, youth pastors. Come on, hyphen. These, these students need you right now. These students need you right now. God wants to turn somebody's mess into a mission tonight. Somebody wants, God wants to send somebody out of here on mission full of the Holy Ghost.